At this time, it is my privilege to bring Brother Abernathy to the pulpit. He is a missionary to Belize. God has been using him and his wife mightily down there. Um, he took them down there. He took them to, he, he brought in a worker. Come on over here. He brought in a worker, somebody who was willing to get down and to begin to say, God, let's build, let's build Bible schools. Let's build churches. Let's, let's do whatever it takes to reach people to begin to train pastors and teachers and preachers. And, and he'll tell you all how that's gone, but God has taken those efforts, and he said, hey, if you'll let me use you, I'll reach them. And there's been mighty revival down there. I don't want to steal your thunder, but I know there's great detail. But God has got a, a word from him for us, and I just want you to preach to us. And, oh, if you're into salsa, hot sauce, they got some out there of all kinds, great flavor. So he'll, he'll tell you all about it. So here he is. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Lucas. God bless you. God bless you. You can be seated. I won't keep you standing. Um, it is a privilege to be here this morning. I'm not playing with my phone. I'm going to set a timer. I don't want you to be late for your fried chicken. Um, I, I will do a little commercial before we get started. Again, thank you for allowing us to be here. It, it's just a great privilege to be here this morning. Um, outside you saw a table if you didn't stop by Linda set up tables of hot sauces those are hot sauces from Belize a company called Marie Sharps been making it about 40 years uh, they are the best hot sauces you will find anywhere I have no qualms saying that I've been eating hot sauce a long time I didn't like any habanero based until I got to Belize and started buying Marie Sharps and now I don't like anything else I can make folks in Louisiana almost mad when I tell them they're just eating hot vinegar. Um, if you go look at the table, they're bright and colorful. The left side are the mild ones. The right side are the wild ones. Okay? Um, we had one bottle of Beware left. We've had a hard time getting it lately. And it's, got a, it's gone. It's got, it had a 5X warning on the back. And said, don't give to children and don't play tricks on folks. And um, We had a three-and-a-half-year-old grandson get into it, and he poured some on his lunch, and we're from the south. His mama made him eat it. I asked him later, hey, boy, how was your lunch? Did you like it? No. Why? He said it was hot. <laughs> Didn't teach him a lesson, but um, we've still got Belizean heat and other flavors. You will enjoy it, I promise. If you're interested, see Linda, and she will fix you up. So if you want to put the first picture up, and I'm going to kick my timer off. I'm going to tell you about Belize. Um, uh, this is going to be a different presentation you've probably seen or heard before. Um, I'm thankful God called us to Belize. Belize is a hot, humid Caribbean nation. We are connected to Central America, but we are on the Caribbean Sea, and it's much more Caribbean than it is Central American, and it's hot. I don't know if I mentioned that. And it and it rains a lot. Uh, the south gets 160 inches of rain a year, and the north about 58 or 60. Uh, it's rainforest. It's, it's wet, and it's hot. I don't know if I mentioned that or not. Um, if you don't like heat, you probably won't like Belize. Um, I don't like cold, so it works well for me. Um, but we're thankful God called us there. It's, it's an amazing country. The people are friendly. As a rule, they're happy, they're smiley, 
They don't care what race you are, what language you speak. They're going to speak to you and be polite. And I love that about Belize. Next picture. Oh, it ain't moving. That's not good. There we are. This is a picture of the map of Belize. Belize is small. It's about the size of New Jersey. There's, there's uh, uh, not a lot of land mass. We're bordered to the west by Guatemala, the north by Mexico, to the east by the incredibly beautiful Caribbean Sea. If you've never had the privilege to see the Caribbean, it's like a bottle of water. It's crystal clear. You can look down a number of feet. We were on a, I was on a, a boat with, some, with a group that was down, and one of the brethren said to the captain, well, it's not very deep. It's only 10 feet. And he said, oh, no, sir, it's 60 feet. But it's so clear, it's just gorgeous. Belize has the second largest barrier reef in the world. So there's world-class diving, and teams always want to come down. Or when they come down to work, we end up going many times out to the reef and going snorkeling, and it's amazing. You see little triangle-looking things all over the picture? Those are Mayan ruins. We have 15 active Mayan ruin sites and a whole bunch more still buried in the jungles. Um, if you ever come to Belize to visit, I will take you to the western border by Guatemala uh, to a park called Zunantunich. And uh, it's a, a beautiful park, and they have a 140-foot-tall pyramid that you can climb. I will watch you climb it. I'll drink my water and sit in the shade and be happy to let you climb. I've done it once. Uh, I've had four back operations, so it hurt. And my, uh, I'm always nervous because my left foot doesn't work right. And then I got to the top, and I was terrified. It's 140 feet up, and there are no guardrails. There's no safety cables. The, the stairs are different sizes. It's gorgeous, and you'll enjoy it. Uh, next picture. Belize is not far from the U.S., Miami to the right, New Orleans in the middle, Houston to the left. From any of those places, about two hours and 15 minutes, and you land in Belize City. Next picture, please. We have a population in Belize of about 380,000 people. So there's many more people right here in Omaha than there is in our entire country. But much of our country is jungle. We have six major cultures in that the Mayan Indians are the indigenous people who have been there for thousands of years. The Mestizo are Spanish-speaking, a mixture of Spaniards and the indigenous people that came in the 1500s. They conquered all of Central America and, and made people be Catholic and Spanish-speaking. Then we have the Mestizo, or pardon me, the Garifuna. That's an African tribe that's been there for several hundred years. They mutinied, they took over ships, they were left there. A number of reasons, but they have a strong culture in Belize. They still, still speak an African dialect. They, uh, their food is amazing. They work hard not to lose their culture. And they do, still do practice some witchcraft. Then there's the Creole. It's a blend of the African and Mestizo cultures. And uh, I'll talk more about the Creole in just a minute. The Chinese came in the 1850s. They came to work in sugarcane. Now they own almost every hardware store, grocery store, and hotel in the nation. I don't miss too many things when I'm on the field. I miss the grandkids. I don't miss the big kids too much, just the grandkids. I like the little ones <clears throat> sometimes. And um, I miss a real grocery store. I miss going to Walmart. You see, we shop at the Chinaman. That's what they call him. Go to the Chinaman. He got, yeah, he's got it. 
But if, the, if it's daylight outside and they have windows, which they all do, they won't turn the lights on. I've had to take my phone and turn on the light before to see because it's dark. And uh, did I mention Belize is hot? <laughs> Air conditioning is not an option with the Chinese folks. Uh, they might be running some fans and they might not. So it's hot in the grocery store. They have been known to unplug or turn their freezers off at night to save money. So you shop carefully. I don't think a Walmart has ever turned their freezers off, not intentionally. Uh, so we shop carefully at the Chinaman. Uh, then uh, we have the Mennonites that came in 1958. They bought 18,000 acres from one woman and hammered out a town in the jungle called Spanish Lookout. Since then, they've spread it to other parts of the country. We have old orders still in buggies, and they ride around and sell their vegetables and their watermelons from their buggies. Then we have... Uh, modern ones, pickup trucks, factories, and that kind of thing. Then we have other groups, East Indians, Americans, Latin Americans, and Canadians. Languages. English is the official language of Belize. People are usually shocked. They'll go, oh, I didn't know they spoke English. I thought it would be Spanish. It was a British colony until 1981 called British Honduras. When they got their independence, they named it Belize and made... English, the official language. It's the law. Children learn English in school. All official business must be done in English. That's the law. Then Spanish is our secondary language. Probably half our population speaks Spanish. Maya Kichi, which about 35 of our churches are Maya Kichi churches. We have two churches that are Maya Mopan. We have Mandarin from the Chinese, German from the Mennonites, Garifuna, and then Creole. Now, Creole is kind of a Belizean language. Um, I laugh, I scratch my head, sometimes I understand, sometimes I don't. And here's why. Let me give you an example. Next picture, please. This is English. Everybody got it? It says, Dili boy, midi play has, in la la. Biggie dip, biggie dip, biggie dip. That's English. Dili boy, midi play has, in la la. Biggie dip, biggie dip, biggie dip. We hear these kind of things. And you scratch your head sometimes. Next picture tells you what it's saying. The little boy was playing horse and making the sound of a horse gav galloping. Biggie dip, biggie dip, biggie dip. Sometimes you just don't get it. But this language ties them all together because the Chinese are going to speak some Creole and the, the Mennonites are going to speak Creole and the Spanish speakers may not speak English, but they'll speak Creole. That is, it's, it's a very Belizean language. I was going to put some scripture up here, but I can't even read them myself. Uh, next picture. Another example. Yada fui, Belize. It's a sign down in Punta Gorda town. Yada fui, Belize. It says, Yes. That's for we, or that's for us, Belize. You kind of learn to listen and catch these things, and sometimes, sometimes you just don't get it. I get texts from my pastors that are in Creole, some of them college-educated, but they'll still, if it's not all Creole, it's blended with Creole. So you learn to adapt, and it's a lot of fun sometimes. Next picture. This is our national logo a lady created this for us and i'm very proud of this very colorful nation and you do see a toucan bird right in the middle that is our national bird it's amazing to watch them fly by their big long beak but you will be disappointed they will never bring you any fruit loops
He's not Toucan Sam. Next picture. United Pentecostal Church International Belize. We now have 40 churches, just about to add 41 and 42. We are up to 6,400 constituents, 38% uh, growth between 2016 and 2019. God blessed us with over 2,200 people receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost this last term. Over 1,000 baptized in Jesus' name. Hundreds of healings. It's been amazing to see what God has done, and we're just proud that he lets us be a part of the revival in Belize. Next picture. We did open eight new churches this last term. <clears throat> and you say, well, that much growth in only eight churches? Yeah, but we had to rebuild infrastructure. Our churches were in bad shape. Many of our people didn't have the Holy Ghost. Some of our pastors didn't have the Holy Ghost. And so we had to work on that really hard. So a lot of our folks that were already there received the Holy Ghost. And then we added a whole bunch of new ones. We had a new pre preaching points and rebuilt infrastructure. We had a name, United Pentecostal Church, but we didn't have unity. So we worked very hard with a sledgehammer of unity. Now we have unity, and I'm very proud of our leaders for that. And then we had churches falling apart. Next picture. This church made me nervous. As I said, I had, I've had four back surgeries. My left foot's been asleep since 02, and my right one kind of comes and goes. And, and I, I don't always feel where I'm walking very well. This church made me nervous. You could see daylight through the blocks, and the floor was all broken up like this. They had a little earthquake, and it had been like that for 10 or 12 years, and nobody fixed it. So I had a pastor send me an email, have any shovel-ready projects? Yes, sir, I do. And he sent us a check. The next picture is what we replaced it with, a beautiful 24 by 48 building in Laguna Village. Here in the next couple of weeks, the, our associate missionaries that are there on site are having a youth leaders training seminar there. The pastor of this church is our youth uh, coordinator in the Toledo district, and we're thankful for what he's doing to affect his village and his district. Next picture, please. This is in Santa Ana Village, deep in the rainforest down in the south. Um, our, our district supervisor, Brother Diego Koch, called me and said, Brother Duane, our building in Santa Ana is too small, and it's old, and it's right across the street from the village council office. Now, I use the street, the word street, very loosely. It's a dirt lane that goes through the village, so it's not really a street, and it's just maybe 15, maybe from here to that wall wide, a little wider maybe. But he said, I think I can trade it for three acres down the street. And, and I said, then trade it. And traded he did, and this is the building we built. Now you see behind, it's got a big slab. There was a school there at one point. And what you can't see is off to the left, there's big industrial outhouses. I know you all don't get excited about that, but that's a big deal. We'll elaborate on that in a few minutes. Next picture. This is what it looked like the day we dedicated it. Next picture, please. This is the inside. You'll, not, you'll notice there are no soft padded seats or pews. There's no backs on them. There's no carpet. There's no air conditioner. There's no ceiling fans. They have service five times a week. And did I mention to you, Belize is hot. Um, but they worship Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night. And they fill these places up, and we're thankful for that. Next picture, please. This is what we're building now, 24 by 40 pressure-treated pine frame buildings. We can build them about half the cost and a, a fraction of the time. This is a Texas team that comes down. They've built a number of buildings for us down through the years. This one took them two and a half days. 
they drug their feet. The next one took them just over a day and a half, and they were finished. Uh, their friends and family, they look at each other, and the walls fall, just go up. Next picture. This is a front view of this church, and it's been painted now. They just had their two-year anniversary. But I want you to notice the third man in from the left with the light shirt, no hat. His name is Tim. Tim lives outside of Austin. He's a contractor, and he's a prince of a man, just a great man of God. Tim gives liberally into the kingdom his time, his talents, and his finances. He sat in our living room and said, Brother Abner, you've got to understand how much God is blessing me because I give. I'm not going to tell you the amounts that was running through their checking accounts daily. He's doing a job in California now that's called it's paying him hundreds of thousands of dollars on the first part. And he said, that's not even where I'm going to make my money. Yes, he works, but God blesses him with high-paying work. Why? Because he opens his hands and he pours into the kingdom. Don't ever take what you think is yours and hold it like this. Because if you do, God can't bless you. If you'll open your hands and liberally give to the kingdom, God will liberally, just like his word says, pour it back into you, pressed down, heaped up, and running over. Don't be afraid to challenge God with your finances. You don't believe me. Trust me. Linda and I learned how to trust him with everything. You give, he pours it back. Don't be afraid to give to the kingdom of God. Next picture, please. This is Cowpen Village. This is a, a typical building for years, uh, about 18 by 25 or 30, concrete floors. The posts were just trees that they skint down, and that's what holds the walls up. The walls are what they called chainsaw lumber. The Mayans are artists with chainsaws, and they cut lumber with a chainsaw, and it's amazingly straight. And then the roof is just a thatch roof. It's cohoon palm branches tied together. Last five to seven years if they're done properly. And they're very neat buildings. I really like them. I'm going to mention the truck there. That's our She's for Christ truck, and I'll come back to that in a few minutes. Thank you if you've ever given to She's for Christ. I got an email from a pastor in Wisconsin. We want to come to a project in Belize. I didn't know him, but he, I guess God laid us on his heart. And he brought a team of men and women down. He sent money down ahead of time. And he told the ladies, if you're going, ladies, you have to work. You can't watch. And work they did. Uh, they made me a nervous wreck with this building. The next picture is what they left us in Cowpen Village. A beautiful frame building there. Painted, wired, door handles. It was finished. And we had a dedication service before they left. They did a beautiful job, but they made me nervous. It took them seven days. I had to apologize for comparing them to my Texas group. But they... This church is being a, a blessing in Cowpen Village. Next picture, please. Our services. When I first got to Belize, I didn't like what I saw. Um, some of the worship looked like it had been drugged up through the centuries in the Mayan, from the Mayan pagan worship of times past. and I just didn't like it. and So I said, I can't go in and bulldoze culture because you hurt people. And our folks had been hurt enough. And I wanted to minister to them and love them. So I, I chose to infect them with the right things. First off, the teaching of the Word of God. That's where we start. Worship and praise is all through the book. We teach it. We show them. And then I brought teams in from Guatemala and El Salvador that we knew. And they, uh, they were musicians and teachers. And we had music seminars. Because I said, if I can infect the people who lead the worship, 
They can change the services and things that begin to change. Next picture. They begin to raise their hands and dance and worship like Pentecostals do. Next picture. And that's the video clip. If it might accidentally play, sometimes it will, sometimes it won't. That great big fella in the middle is not a Mayan. He's a cowboy from Texas. He's six foot eight. Mayans are five two, five three. And Clint is a giant among us, but he's really a giant there. But he comes, he's been down many times, and that's what he does. He dances and worships and shows them, and they begin to follow. The guy in the white shirt in front of him is the district supervisor, Brother Federico Sam. Brother Federico loves worship. He'll grab his pastors off the front row and say, get out here and worship. You can't sit. It's time to worship. And it's changing their district. Next picture. In a church... The, the ladies worship. When we first got there, the Mayan women would stand with their heads down and their fists closed. And tears running down their face. And we started teaching, come on, sister, you got to open your mouth. God wants to hear your praise. If you will worship, he can use your mouth and fill you with the Holy Ghost. And that's what he began to do as they began to worship and praise God. And I'm going to stop here for just a minute and give you our testimony about worship. Um, Last year, as you know, we all have been fighting this silly COVID virus. We were traveling, and uh, we got to Missouri. We were leaving Missouri for Louisiana. We left on a Monday morning, and I was hooking up our fifth wheel, and I thought, boy, I feel sick. Linda didn't feel good, and she slept most of the trip to Texarkana. We got up the next morning. Well, we had 150 miles to go to our next service for Wednesday night. I said, let's stay today. We'll feel better tomorrow. So we got up Wednesday, and Linda said, I need to talk to a doctor. We were sick. They sent us for COVID tests. That shut us down. Friday, they called and said, you both got COVID. I got up Saturday morning, and I felt a little better. Linda said, I need to go to the hospital. I'm sick. I can't breathe. So we go to the hospital, and they immediately admitted her to the hospital. It was October 3rd in Texarkana, Texas. She was in the hospital 59 days. Monday morning, they called. They had woke her up and said, we're going to put you in ICU on a ventilator. And she said, call my husband. They called and said, within an hour, she'll be in the ICU on a ventilator. She was there 23 days on a ventilator. Didn't think she was coming out a couple times. They tried to take the vent out once, had to put it back in because they said she sounded like a dragon breathing fire. They would do breathing tests. They would let me go stand outside of her room for as long as I wanted to. I couldn't go in. She was asleep. She didn't know I was there. Seven bags of medicine going into her tubes and all the ventilator and different things. And, and all I could say is, Linda, just breathe. Lord, help her to breathe. That's all I could say. And um, on a Wednesday afternoon... The 23rd day. I looked in there and Linda was going. Her arms were restrained so she couldn't, didn't have a lot of movement so she couldn't pull those out. She was asleep, her eyes were closed, but in her mind and in her spirit, she was worshiping. And her hands were moving. Early the next morning, she heard a voice say, it's time. And a guy came in and they took the ventilator out and she was breathing. That was November. She's breathing still today. Worship breaks chains. 
If you're struggling, if you're battling with something, worship. Don't hesitate to lift your hands, to lift your voice, to dance, to move, to worship. Because worship will break chains. God loves our worship. Next picture. We only have three baptistries in the tank, in the church, in the country. We don't have a beautiful setup like this. We still go to the rivers and baptize folks. Next picture. This is in Punta Gorda town in the very southern part of the country. Brother Marcos, the pastor on the right, called me on Tuesday and said, Brother Dwayne, we're going to baptize 12 Sunday. Can you come? Yeah, I'll be there. He called Thursday and he said, we're going to baptize 14. Are you still coming? Yes. Sunday morning we went. Brother Marcos on the right, our district supervisor, Brother Diego on the left. They went to the Caribbean Sea. It's the Gulf of Honduras, they call it there. And they baptized 16 people that morning in Jesus' name. What a great day of victory that was. Next picture, please. Brother Danny Becerra, him and Sister Esther are associate missionaries in Belize, getting ready to apply to be intermediate missionaries. They're going to dedicate their life to missions, and I appreciate that. Brother Danny had baptized a few people in the ocean, and uh, he raised money and built his tank. They live there in that building uh, in Belize City. It's our Bible school building, and they have an apartment in the back. And there's a church there that he's been building up and raising up and doing a phenomenal job. This was one of his first converts in that baptismal tank. Next picture. We've never had a work in the northern part of the country. Corosal Town, Orange Walk in that area, in those villages. We've never had anything north of Belize City. Our district supervisor in Belize district had some contacts, but Brother Guillermo doesn't speak really good English. He's from El Salvador, but he does speak Creole, which is funny. Um, but Danny's from California. He speaks pretty good English. So they went up there, and Danny started teaching some Bible studies. And within a week or two, they baptized 12 or 13 people in Jesus' name. We had our first service there a while back. They had 26 people at that first service worshiping God. We bought a piece of property recently. His home district is going down in November and going to build a church, the first ever United Pentecostal Church in the northern part of Belize. And we are so thankful for what God has done with them. Next picture, please. Bible school. I'm not as young as I used to be. I've been road hard and put up wet a bunch of times. and uh, I, uh, I struggle to walk and just getting old and falling apart sometimes. And uh, I knew when I got there, I didn't have 30 years to give to Belize. I wish I did, but I don't. God sent a stubborn, grumpy old man down there to dig in and change some things. Somebody that was a workaholic and a teacher. And God knew that. And he knew how much we would love the people uh, because there had been difficult times in Belize. But I knew I didn't have a long time to give. And Bible school had to be a priority. Our Bible school had had 10 or 12 students, 8 to 10, 12 for many years. I took the Bible school over in November of 2017. In 2018, the Mayan people jumped on board with us. We went to 65 students in 2018. We went to 98 students in 2019. We had a graduation, a two-year program of 63 students unheard of. We had a party. We rented an outdoor venue. Our regional director came and preached. We catered a meal. Why? Because those folks will change their nation. Amen. Next picture, please. Bible school classroom in, in Toledo District in San Felipe Village. Nice student tables and chairs. Notice the windows open. Air conditioning is not an option. 
There's a ceiling fan overhead, and sometimes they turn it on, sometimes they don't. The Mayans are funny. If it gets to 70, they start saying it's cold, bird, when it's cold. Uh, no, it's not cold. It's nice. No, bird, when it's cold. We know you like the cold. We don't like the cold. But they come three hours every Saturday, and they study. Hot, rainy, whatever, they come and study to prepare themselves for work in the kingdom. Next picture. Stan Creek District. This brother Federico Sam again right in the front. He loves Bible school. This was his graduating class in 2019. And I thought he won't have any students in 2020. But he got on his motorcycle and he went church to church recruiting students. We had just finished a building before we come home for dedication. And that was the building he was going to teach in. The next picture shows what he did. He filled it up. I didn't think he'd have any. He had 35 students in certificate level and 15 in diploma level. And he was teaching and training them. Now notice this building's different. It's got shiny finished off floors and and insulated finished walls and and a shiny ceiling and a beautiful white box on the wall. It's an air conditioner. I'm the superintendent. I had other plans. This is where we'll have our executive board meetings. In fact, they had one last Wednesday. Uh, When I get back, I just got to finish a coffee bar and we're ready to go. (laughs) Besides the students, there's one more thing that's the best thing about the building. You ready? Next picture. That's our only flush toilet inside of a building in the country. You don't get it. You never went into an outhouse when it's 95 degrees and humid. Never had a bat fly out at you I have I bailed out so brother Diego there's a bat in there he said oh yes he lives there brother Dwayne oh I never went back in that building this was a gift from God and a group of men from Indiana we're thankful for that next picture please Bible school students on the front porch of a pastor's home next picture please Bible school students in one of our churches next one Toledo District graduates in 2019, they wanted to sing and worship God for where he had brought them to. You see, I I, I said, sing then. When God first called us to Belize, I said, God, I'm happy to go, but I want the tithe of the nation. There's 380,000 people. I want 38,000 in the United Pentecostal Church. We got a long way to go, but we're going to get there. I may not be there long enough. I may not live long enough, but they will. Their leg- my legacy will be that they're carrying on the work of God in Belize and continuing to grow it until he comes. We're going to get there. God's going to give us that revival. Next picture. She's for Christ that they're now calling Move the Mission. Thank you if you've ever given a penny to She's for Christ. Next picture. It's our beautiful 2014 Ford Ranger built in South Africa. It's got a little diesel engine and six-speed automatic and four-wheel drive, and it thinks it's a mountain goat. We've been through rivers, creeks, muddy places, sloppy places. I've hauled building supplies of every shape and form. We buy motorcycles for our leaders. I've hauled motorcycles numerous times and more people than I can count standing up in the back of that truck. Brother Dwayne, can you take us to to the junction? Yes. You think it's a man and his two children and his wife, and there's 20 and they fill the truck up, and they, they knock on the top when they want to stop. And you stop, and they get out, and they don't all get out at the same place. And then finally you drop everybody off, and you head home. It's been a phenomenal vehicle for us, and I thank you for giving to She's for Christ. Here's why. Next picture. 
We don't always come to church on nice paved roads. Belize has 1,900 miles of roads, and only 400 of them are paved. And most of those are pretty sketchy. This is the road going to San Jose Village. It's only nine miles, but it will take you an hour because of the holes, the ruts that the buses leave there, especially during the rainy season. Remember, it rains 160 inches a year down there. It's muddy. It's sloppy. It's an incredibly beautiful drive. Wild banana trees that are huge and other trees. It's gorgeous. But our truck has taken us in and out of these places faithfully over and over. Thank you for giving to She's for Christ. Next picture. That is a road. That's not the river. The river is over to your right. It rained during the night and the river came up four feet. We had a youth extravaganza going on on the other side. The back villages had already come out and Brother Diego kept calling. He said, Brother Dwayne, my brother's bus is waiting on the other side. I said, Brother Diego, it's pretty deep. We waited about an hour and I said, I think I can make it. My wife said, it's too deep. Guys, what do we do? My truck's been through deeper rivers than that. I can make it. She said, it's too deep. So I waited a little while. Finally, I said, Brother James, load the truck. I'm going through. He filled the back of the truck up to back seat, and somebody was up front with me. And here's what we did. Next picture, please. It was only up to the grill by then. We drove across, and I unloaded. I came back, and I took six or seven loads across. We went back and had our youth extravaganza and came back. And it was down, and we just drove across the muddy road. The pastor that was there from Tennessee said, you've got to have a vehicle with gravitas. Yes, sir, I need a vehicle with a strong spine because it's going to work. It's, it's got to earn its keep with us, and it has. Thank you for giving to She's for Christ. A pastor said one day, Brother Duane, why do we always get to ride in your truck so much? We never rode into missionaries' trucks before. And I said, we are here to serve. We're servants. And as long as we drive this truck or any other, they will serve with us. This truck has been an incredible servant in Belize. We couldn't do with a car, as you can see, or a van, or even a small SUV. We need something that's got a spine. And this little truck has been incredible. Thank you if you've given to She's for Christ. Next picture. I'm going to turn a corner here. I don't have too many minutes left on my timer. 13 minutes and 35 seconds, and I may not be that long. I'm thankful God called us to Belize. Song moved me that we sang this morning about God being in our city and in our country. And, and uh, I'm trying to plot a strategy now with our associate missionaries to kick off a major revival in Belize City. See, it's only about 75 or 80,000 people, but there's 22 gangs. And they draw lines, and these folks won't go there, and these folks won't go there. we got to get in those neighborhoods, and we're trying to plot a, plot a strategy to be able to get into those neighborhoods because we need revival that shakes those gangs to their foundation. And it's going to happen. A Holy Ghost revival, a Jesus name revival that's going to change the face of Billy City. It's going to happen. I'm thankful God called us there. It's been a lot of work. I tell folks, this ain't rocket science. It's hard work. You're going to go, and if you're going to do anything in life, and especially in the kingdom, if you're going to see results, you're going to work. 100-hour weeks the first couple years were not unusual for me. And I'm not a young kid anymore. I was putting 1,000 miles a week on our truck in the southern half of the country. Tells you how much I was on the road, training pastors five, six days a week and teaching, studying at night, leaving early in the morning. What time will you be home? Hopefully I'll be here by dinner. 
But God moved. God honored that. You see, you don't have to be some super spiritual guru to be a missionary. I'm a dumb old truck driver. I still go by big trucks and go, man, I'd see them out west pulling triples, and I always wanted to do that, or two foot trailers. Man, that looks like fun. And Linda said, why does that look like fun? Because it does. Because I loved it, but God had a, a different plan. I'd been preaching a long time, and he called me to be a missionary at 27, but wouldn't let me go till I was almost 51 as an aimer to Guatemala, 54 our first year in Belize, then getting to Belize fully funded. I was 57 years old, 30 years after God called me. If, young man, if God's calling you from something to something, don't fight the process. I've been crushed and broken numerous times by the hand of God in order to prepare me for what he needed me to do. We go through pre times of preparation. Moses spent 40 years on the backside of the wilderness. God preparing him for what he had to do. Just let God lead you. Trust him. I'm thankful to be a missionary in Belize. We're going to get back and see what else God's going to do. It's going to be great. But that's our mission field. What about your mission field? Next picture, please. Omaha, Nebraska. 2020, 835,000 people. Draw a circle around this building a mile out. You can only imagine what sins and problems are going on right there. Somebody's contemplating suicide inside that mile right now. Some man is already drunk, and he's starting to hit his wife and kids right now. Some, some young person is starting a life of drugs and crime right now. Families are falling apart right now. Just a mile from this place in any direction. People are hurt. They're wounded. They're dying. And what are we doing to change our city Next picture, please. Matthew 9 and 36. Talking about Jesus, when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Jesus always had a crowd following him and he evidently stopped and was looking over this crowd and he was moved with compassion. It doesn't say that he wept, but I'm guessing he did. Because why? Because they were scattered they were wounded. They were hurt. They were bleeding. They were crying. Their families were falling apart. Their lives were destroyed by the enemy. And Jesus looked at them and was moved with compassion. When's the last time you and I were moved with compassion for a lost soul? When's the last time we prayed for somebody? Maybe it's somebody we don't even like, but they need God. They don't look like us. They don't talk like us. They don't smell like us. They don't dress like us and we get angry at them. We have truth and you don't. You know what? We need to find a way to have compassion for them and love them all the way to him. They don't have what we have, but we need to take it to them. Somebody's got to get out of their comfort zone and be moved with compassion for a lost soul. Next picture, please. Then Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest is truly plenteous, but the laborers are few. 
we got a little place in Tennessee. My son and his family live six acres out in the middle of cornfields. There's cornfields on three sides of our house. And y'all know what that's all about because you drive out of town here, you drive through town, and there's still cornfields. And there's farms all through town. And there's grain elevators everywhere. Biggins. Bigger than we got. Farmer goes out and he plants his crop. And it grows. And we watch it. We grow field corn in Tennessee. I don't know if you grow sweet corn here or field corn, but it grows up and it turns brown and it dries off on the stalk. And <clears throat> he's got to get his combine ready. And he checks the oil and fills it with fuel. And he, he arranges for trucks to be in the field with him that day. We don't know the, the day or the hour of the harvest, but we can look at it and know the season. It's dried up, it's ready. It's time to come down, whether it be soybeans or wheat or corn. We can know this, we know the time, but we don't know the day or the hour. I'm telling you now, we are in the time of harvest. We are in the end times. The Lord is getting ready to come, and he wants to prepare his church with revival. The word says in two places, in the last days, I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. There's a harvest waiting for you and I to go out there and go to work. Mr. Unwood behind our place parks that combine by there. It's right behind there. It's ready to go. But it'll never take down one piece of corn. This beautiful building will never win one soul. It takes a man to get up early, drink his coffee and eat his Cheerios and go to work. It's the same thing in the kingdom. Somebody needs to pick up a home Bible study. Somebody needs to go and love somebody. Somebody needs to go and pray for folks in the street. We need to watch for them at Walmart, at the grocery store, at our job site, at school. And we need to reach them. There's a harvest ready. It's waiting for men and women to go to work. It ain't rocket science. It's work. Jesus left us one prayer request. He said, pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. When's the last time you said, Lord, here I am. Send me. Not send the pastor or the staff, but God send me. Lay something, lay somebody on my heart that I would reach out to them, that I would touch them, that I would love them. I've been in this all my life. I've seen folks run off good people because they were self-righteous and pious. I got truth and you don't. How sad is that? When we need to be sharing that truth with people all around us. So, if you'll put up the last picture, Jesus said, go make disciples. A disciple is a student. A disciple is a follower. If we're willing to go, he'll go with us. We went to Belize. He knew the mess that we were going to run into. He knew the situation. But he sent us, and it's not that we're super spiritual gurus, but we said, yes, Lord, we'll go. We left the grandkids. That was tough. 
Leaving Michaela at two and a half years old was tough because she was with us 60, 80 hours a week. We wept. We left our home. We left everything familiar. But God knew we would go. He's just looking for someone to go and make a disciple. Let me tell you a little story, and then I'm done. Many years ago, I heard a pastor talking, and I don't know who he is. I don't know what he's with. I don't know. I don't know if he's still alive. But he said, uh, I was leaving the office one day, going home, and the Spirit of God spoke to me and said, go get milk. Now, this man was in tune with what God wanted. We, first off, we need to get in tune with what God wants. He doesn't care about our retirement funds, our 401ks, our bigger houses, our fancier vehicles, our bigger paycheck. He's concerned about the harvest. He's concerned about a lost world. And that's what we need to be is concerned about a lost world. This man said, well, God, I bought milk yesterday. Go buy milk. So he stops by a store and he buys a jug of milk. And... He starts home, and the Spirit of the Lord said, turn here, but God, my house is that way. Turn, and he turns, and he goes. Turn again, and finally he stops in front of a house. You don't even know why he's there. He's just got a jug of milk, and the Lord said, take him to milk. He takes his jug of milk, and he knocks on the door, and a man comes to the door angry and said, what do you want? He said, I don't know. I just brought you a jug of milk. And the man burst into tears. And the pastor was confused. He said, you don't understand. Right now, my wife and I were standing in the kitchen fighting. And she said, we don't even have enough money to buy a gallon of milk for our children. And you showed up. If you will listen to the voice of God, he will lead you and guide you to people that are hungry he will put words in your mouth. He may put money in your hand. He'll put healing in your hand. Somebody's got to be willing to go to a lost and dying world and reach them. What will you do with this city? You've got the potential to burst this building wide open and five or ten more just like it. But two or three or five or ten have got to pick up a burden for a lost soul and say, it's me, God. Where are we going? What are we going to do? What language do I need to speak? Send me and I will go and make a disciple. I'm finished. Stand with me if you would. Church, 2020, that he had the number there is 830,000. In our county, it's maybe half a million. There's 320,000 in Belize. There's 40 churches. In the Omaha metropolitan area, there's four. Oh, church, I drive down even last night the interstate and I look and I I look out across the houses and there's so many people that are hurt and broken. There's so many people bound by drugs and abuse in their homes. You have them in your family. Some of you maybe even have it in your homes. Uh, let's go ahead and begin to close our eyes and reach our hands towards heaven. Tell him about your neighborhood. Tell him about your city. Tell him about your family. 
You don't need to be a spiritual superhero. You need to care. There's too many people. Too many children. Too many families. Too many broken families. God wants to move in this city. He's given our bishop a vision. and It was 12 and then it was 24. And really it's much more than that of churches to be built. Not just buildings, but crowds of people. People that would fall in love with Jesus. People that would go from not having any purpose to having a purpose and a plan. And, and that deep love in the middle of their hurt. You may be filling a pole just to get down and pray. You can either turn in your seat or find this altar but, or, or stand, but I want us to begin to talk to God. You don't need to reach all 830,000 or million people in the area, but there's somebody, God, today that I could talk to. You don't necessarily need to tell them to be baptized in Jesus' name, but you can love them. I don't live in your home. I don't live on your block. Brother Abernathy's going to go back to Belize in a couple months. Oh, Jesus. Reach my city. Jesus, see our children. Jesus, see our schools. Oh, Jesus. Lift your voice up. Lord, save our city. Oh, God, you have moved wonderfully in this church. God, you've moved with signs and wonders. You've healed our bodies. You've provided for our finances. God, you've put our marriages back together. And, and Lord, we've sought you. Oh, but God, reach our city. Oh, Lord, you didn't just bring us to save us. You brought us to use us. Oh, Oh, some of you have said, well, I can't teach a Bible study. I'm telling you, they just need to hear your testimony. They just need to hear from you that God loves you. You can teach somebody. Jesus, hallelujah. Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, if you're not going to pray, who's going to pray? And I don't mean that as a rebuke of whether you're praying now or not. I'm saying, oh, I've heard it said that you don't see that God cares until a person cares. Oh, young people in school, who's going to pray for your friend? Nobody else knows them but you. You guys don't know my neighbors. I know them, but you don't. Who's going to pray for them? Oh, and when their life's a mess and they begin to tell you about it, 
That friend begins to tell you, they ain't telling me, they're telling you. You were placed in their life. Not Bishop. Not myself. It was you. God called you. He put you there. Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye the Lord of the harvest that He would send forth laborers into the field. Oh, Jesus said the fields are ripe and ready to harvest. Where you see messed up and broken lives, Jesus sees people that He is intent on delivering and saving and putting in the kingdom. Where you see someone covered in tattoos and and piercings. Jesus sees a soul that wants to lift their hands towards heaven and speak in another language and be transformed by the power of Jesus Christ. He sees a temple to live in. He says, I want to sit on the throne of that heart. Oh, send me Jesus. Right now, let's all lift our voice up and say that. Send me Jesus. Let me reach one somebody, Jesus. Give me one somebody this year. Oh, let me, oh God, let me have one disciple. Oh, Jesus has somebody prepared for you. Oh, the arrow of the message has gone forth. Now it's in your hands. Jesus. 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 Go ahead, put your arm around your neighbor. Begin to pray with them and for them. Jesus. Jesus. Hallelujah. I see a world that's dying. Oh, bound by the master of defeat. Oh, but Jesus, and we see you standing near. I don't care where you're at in life. Today, you know that God loves you and that God loves them. Hear me, hear me as you're praying. You don't have to be perfect and have it all together. You just need to understand that God's grace saved you. You didn't earn it. And it's the same grace that's reaching for them. And so if you'll let your voice and your prayer be be able to touch their life, Jesus will save them. You may have sinned just yesterday. Oh, this morning you may have thought of turning your back on God. But you came to church today and you've understood the love and grace and mercy of Jesus. And when you encounter someone else, understand it's for them too. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's go ahead and just tell him, I love you, Jesus. 
Oh, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Give him some worship now. Hallelujah. We thank you for reaching into our city. We thank you for reaching into our neighborhoods. We thank you for your salvation. Oh, God, we thank you. Go ahead. I want to go ahead and love him right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, God, I don't know how it's going to work out, but you're doing the work. I don't know how you're going to use me, but you called me. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Lord, I can hear the sound of rain. Oh, God, I can hear it, Lord. I can see him. Let's give him a hand clap. Oh, that's the pitter-patter of rain. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 You have felt the message today. Brother Abernathy told me before service, before this service today, that he was going to show us Belize. And then he was going to say, look at your city. 320,830. Oh, I am excited about the next church to be built. I'm excited about what God's going to be doing in Norfolk. I'm excited at what God is doing just in this little region of the state. So let's go ahead. Let's make a commitment to God. Put our hands to the plow. Get out into the field. Make that a deep part of your prayer. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, you are the only one in your family, in your neighborhood. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God bless you. Greet the Abernathys. Remember there's salsa out there. Or a hot sauce, not salsa, hot sauce. Pepper sauce, okay. Pepper sauce. God bless you. We'll see you again this Wednesday and this coming Sunday. And uh, let's have a great week and let's reach our city. Hallelujah.